Welcome to the Absite Smackdown Podcast. We'll talk clinical scenarios, Absite facts, and interesting general surgery knowledge. Now, let's get to it. Hello, it's me, Jess, your host of Absite Smackdown Podcast. And with me today, Dr. David Kashmir and Dr. Carlos. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Yeah, it's good. Good to be here, Jessica. Nice to be with you again, Carlos. Good to see you guys. Yeah. For all you listeners out there, I call him Dr. Carlos because I cannot pronounce his entire name. I My mouth does not work correctly. Dr. K can speak Spanish, and I just don't want to be embarrassed and butcher his name. So I call him Dr. Carlos, but the rest of you can actually call him by his full name. Can you say it first, Dr. K, since I'm awkward and embarrassing? Uh, well, it's Dr. Carlos Palacio, and uh, it depends if you... On the type of Spanish you speak, how you say the C, I guess, but we've always said uh, Dr. Carlos Palacio, and he's with us today from McAllen, Texas. Uh, Carlos and I tend to talk a lot with each other about residents, residents we see coming through, not so much on a personal basis, but uh, given how residencies transition and what we need to do to prep our best surgical colleagues. And so today, Jess, when you asked me to be on uh, with Dr. Carlos to talk all about residency and how it is to enter the beginning of residency, I thought that would just be so useful. So I'm really glad today to talk about what resident staff are doing and sort of what they need to be doing as they come into our programs. The Absite Smackdown podcast. Visit the Smackdown at absitesmackdown.com. Are you excited, Dr. Carlos? Like it's, it's the month, it's ready. <laughs> Absolutely. It's uh, the first uh, month of the year, of the academic year. And, you know, you have fresh interns right after, right out of medical school. So they are as scared as you can be because this is the first time you're going to be a doctor. uh, Finally, right? So you're in the title. Now you have to be uh, the doctor. And, Mm -hmm. you know, everything Every uh, year, I always tell them, like, hey, you're going to be double-checking the patient, like, every hour on the hour because you're just so scared that something is going to happen, right? Mm -hmm. So, at least my personal experience, that's what my personal experience was. Uh, A lot of people tend to believe there is a myth that don't go into the hospital in July because you're going to be treated by residents. And what I tell people is like, yeah, you're going to have somebody that's going to check on you every hour on the clock because he knows or he or she knows that he is going to get in trouble if you don't make it out successfully. So I kind of want to go to the hospital in July. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, you know, it, it's a great experience for, for everybody. I mean, you have yeah. this brand new or recently graduate medical students and they are all excited to be there and helping helping other people and learning a lot from you so that's great i can just imagine like being excited being fearful probably having imposter syndrome a little bit because like all of a sudden you're a doctor and you're expected to actually do stuff and transition from being in the labs being in your books to actually being in the hospital i mean i know that they do they're their rounds and everything, whether in medical school, Dr. K, which you can tell us a little bit more about, but this is like the real deal now. <laughs> yeah, on medical school and and David, I think you remember this. We uh, we you know like you still have like a resident or somebody higher than you that is gonna tell you either what to do or what doses or it's gonna correct you and this and that. But now you are the person that is gonna make all those all those decisions. So. So it's, it's frightening, but it's fun. 
So Dr. K, you're holding their hands and then they graduate <laughs> and they head over to Dr. Carlos. <laughs> well, well, not exactly. Um, a couple of things. <laughs> a couple of things. Dr. Carlos hit nicely on this thing about the July effect. And uh, there's this sort of classic thing we say that you hear knocked around about don't go to the hospital in July. Well, it's been studied. Outcomes in July, just like Carlos alluded to, have been studied, uh, especially with the those academic centers where we have our uh, different residency programs. And it looks like uh, the July effect is something we talk about a lot, but maybe owing to increased supervision, the outcomes are at least no worse than they are throughout the rest of the year. So I appreciate Carlos saying, you know, that idea of somebody may be checking on you a lot, uh, and that may even be beneficial uh, because the bottom line is it doesn't seem like outcomes, at least in most of the literature, are worse uh, in July, although it is something we are, are all on our guard against. So I think it's really important to say whether owing to increased supervision or something else, hospitals are safe in July. Now, I did want to add and pick up on something else that you guys both brought up, and that is students come out of medical school at varying levels with varying experiences. Uh, the school I'm at now, uh, we had the opportunity to start a program where they've sort of had a boot camp coming out of school. A lot of residency programs will give them an intern boot camp. We do that as they exit, and they may get another, of course, for their program. And so what I wanted to lead up to and share is my thought is one of the best things an intern can do, uh, one of the best things a first year in any program can do is establish a system that's going to make them better over time, meaning learn about the different things they have to use, whether it's am I on to log hours or some similar program, they're going to learn all these systems, but to develop something for themselves that they can carry ahead in their residency and then as an attending to make them better. So in our boot camp, for example, the students take a mock ab site as they finish so they can have the first experience of just how challenging the test can be. And, you know, obviously they tend to do poorly, uh, which some staff can have that experience when they first meet the ab site. So having a system set up, and Carlos has talked about this before, where they study ongoing, it's blended into their year, they utilize uh, ab site review, and of course, they'll likely be doing the score curriculum at the same time, scores over five years, uh, but just spread over five years, but just some way that they can be a little better today than they were yesterday, and they continue that for because Jessica, they come in at all different levels to residency. And speaking as a program director, but it's really where they get to that change that matters so much. So long answer to a short question, but there you go. That's my feeling on it. Well, I just, I know that a lot of our residents that we have on here, they've spoken about how the first year they were just not prepared, that they didn't really think about the ABSA. And obviously like your medical students, since you're ABSA guy, you're going to talk about it. They're going to know what it is, but you know, do people like Dr. Carlos, when they come into your program, do they even know what AppSite is? Do they even, are they thinking about it? I know that you guys focus on it and, you know, you bring it up in your program, but it's not, I don't, is it something that's even talked about at medical school before you guys go, before they go into residency? Not in medical school, but, but when we, when we start the program, like the residency, we talk to them about it. And, mm -hmm. and I always tell the incoming class is, hey, yes, the upside is very important, 
but also don't study for the test, study for your patients. So mm -hmm. like you see some pathology that is kind of weird that you don't know what is it about, go and read it, right? So go and read about it, learn about it, learn the pathophysiology, learn what are the symptoms, how are you going to treat it, what kind of surgery are you going to perform for, for that particular uh, case or that particular patient. See how can you improve your own knowledge and of course your patient for mm -hmm the for 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 the care uh, of that patient now the upside is definitely important and i always tell them yeah you have to study for it but the way i did it when i was an intern it was i would go to study the, patho the pathology okay what's going on with this patient well what, mm -hmm. what is that right after work i will go to starbucks or cafe or coffee shop or something and i will start reading 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 and then after i did that particular paragraph, then I will go refer to my upside book and I start reading about that particular topic as well. I was like, well, what is it that they're going to ask me on the test? Mm -hmm. but, but I always tell them, like, focus your study for the patient. Like, how are you going to help uh, improving the care of this patient as well? Mm -hmm. right. I, I really love what Carlos said. I think that's the way to be a good doctor is to uh, see what's in front of you, learn from it over time, have a set time to go study for what's in that on that patient. I think long term that makes us better providers, better surgeons. You know, whatever we do in medicine, um, I do differ a little bit on the point that the challenge with that is in a, the first year curriculum or the first year of rotations, they won't see everything. They won't even be right. close. They'll see endocrine. They'll maybe if they're lucky, or they'll see acute care surgery typically. There are studies that if their acute care surgery and trauma rotation is before the absite, that they do better. There are papers on how we can predict absite score based on the first just several months of their internship. And one of the major predictors from at least one paper is whether they've had trauma and acute care surgery. Why? They get master educators like Dr. Carlos. They get a very acute patients. They see everything from necrotizing fasciitis to emergency bread and butter surgery. And so they see more and they maybe go home and read more, but they've also seen that pathology. So I think what Carlos has described makes you a better doctor. Read about what you have in front of you. But I think the last part that he said, which is where you say, okay, now what are they going to ask me about on the absite? And oh, by the way, I realize I'm not going to have a transplant rotation my first year. I better read about transplant. It's only five <laughs> questions, but guess what? Unfortunately, sometimes it's five, sometimes it's less, but it only takes a few questions on the absite to majorly shift you down or up. So the only thing I'd add to what he said, and I agree, life's not just about studying for a test, but I do think part of the utility of what Carlos and the team created with this work, Jessica, with Absite Smackdown, is it gets them through stuff they won't otherwise see in their first year curriculum. And that, that may not long-term, like you said, I don't think it's about studying for the test, but I know what happened to me is I didn't know not to be on call the night before. So I tried to give that advice to everybody. I didn't have all the specific rotations and I don't recall if I had trauma before my first ab site. Um, but anyway, that, that's the only thing I would add to what Carlos said. I think his study pattern makes you a much better doctor get your patients better care. And I think that we just need to extend that a little bit for the early years so that they can perform their best on that test and show what they know.
The Ampsite Smackdown podcast is going live. Reserve your seat for our upcoming live Ampsite review conference. Can't travel? On call? No problem. This online conference is recorded so you can catch up anytime. Reserve your spot by visiting us at AbsiteSmackdown.com and selecting Latest News for more information. So what would you guys say is the most important thing coming into your first month of your new residency program? Like where your focus should be, what you should be doing. Like what's the advice to all of our listeners right now that are coming into their residency, just started listening to us. They didn't get to go to school with you, Dr. K and be prepped. They're not in your program, Dr. Carlos. They're in different ones. What advice can you give them to not just get ready for the outside? Obviously that's our main focus, but just to get ready to be good colleagues, good doctors as they come in, how to be, how to not stress out and take this in and do well. I think uh, I would tell them, hey, just study. That's mm-hmm. what that's what you have to focus on, and you're gonna learn a lot of things, a lot of things in the hospital, like how to put orders, how to you know how to write the orders, what kind of doses you're gonna need. So for you to learn and, and get all that in your head, you just have to read. You have to read yeah. about it. So yeah, I mean, not only uh, as, as David said, yeah, focus on the on the on the app side because at the end of the day uh, especially like if you're a preliminary resident that's what mm-hmm. it's gonna differ uh, it's what's gonna put you on a different level to say right. that you upside your apps at a sport so yeah that's important but read 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 get this third time you have and just read about what you have in front of you or or if you want to read about the dozens if you want to read about how are you going to order this so go for it that would be my advice to them so Dr. Carlos, you think the most difficult part coming in is the transition and being in the hospital, learning their system, how they, you know, their electronic system, how they do patient charts and all of that. Correct. That's the biggest, yeah. If you're not familiar with it, yes, for sure. Mm-hmm. But remember, in medical school, you didn't have that responsibility. Right. Uh, whatever, you, you were just rotations and reading and this and that. Now you have to learn a system as well. And it'll take you a little bit of time to get there, mm-hmm. but, but you'll get there. So I'll learn, learn how to deal with that as well. Dr. K, haven't you learned like 30 systems or taken 30 classes on systems because of all um, the different hospitals you've been at? Yeah, uh, I started counting. Um, after the 20th time I was educated in uh, Epic, I started yeah. counting. And it's been 32 times now since then that I have been trained in Epic. Uh, Meditech, one of the other EMRs is at 23. I have to look. I keep a note on my phone. Yeah. And Cerner is uh, at least 21. This is beyond the first times back when I didn't count. There's a lot of friction. And yeah. I guess um, I'll just say it again a different way. I think developing systems is the thing. Uh, some systems are functional and some aren't. Mm-hmm. I think the first thing, my two cents is about the first years is, you know, you, you said, Jessica, well, they can't all come to your program or find a Dr. Carlos, find a mentor who understands the idea of progressive responsibility and will supervise you and also give you almost like a sandbox to play in. Not that it's play, but that they uh, take seriously developing you as a surgical colleague and allow progressive responsibility, not too much, not in a position where you can ever sort of hurt anybody intentionally or otherwise, but find somebody who has that attitude. That's important. 
Second is set up a system where you can access what you need quickly. Uh, the amount of uh, knowledge or information, even if it's not really knowledge, it's just info, doubles now every several months. All, the amount of info and data made in the last couple months is more than all the data in recorded history. So access and ability to synthesize and process is more important than ever. So, for example, if you can get your textbooks as PDFs, if you have money for something like Dropbox to put them in, make it so that you can read when you need to, when you have a down moment, make it part of your life, however you do that. Dr. Carlos had, you know, I go to the cafe at this time, I do this. Uh, something like that, where it is built into your life that you will read and will continue to read because uh, the textbooks we write are obsolete after really by the time they're published, they're about four years old. It takes that long and new things are coming out all the time. Just since I finished, the Da Vinci became a thing. It was not a thing. It was not a thing at all. Electronic medical records became a thing. And that's just in my time. And I'm not that old yet, no matter what we say. It is dramatic how things change and the ability to keep up with it in a way that's safe and to decide what you eventually bring into your practice is a big deal. You don't realize it now. You may just be drowning in info as a first year, but coming up with a system to do that, that will, will get you much further long-term. That's my two cents. And, and that system, just to add a little bit, uh, that system is also going to get you organized uh, and help you prioritize in, uh, in your day-to-day -day, uh, intern life, to call like that. So that system, you know, what is the priority? What is it that I have to do first for this patient that is sicker and the other ones can wait, even though I won't forget about those. So that's, that's what you have to develop as well. Yeah. I'll pick up on uh, just some of the tricks I use to share them uh, that I found uh, were very helpful. It's tough. You know, money, especially now, is difficult. Uh, we don't get paid a lot as residents, but one of the things I invested in was something called $1 Scan. Uh, we are not affiliated with them in any way. I'm not. I don't think you guys are, Jessica, as the publisher. No. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, it's just a website where any book you buy from Amazon ships to them. They unbind the book and they make it into an unlocked PDF, which you can put on your Google Drive or Dropbox or whatever. I try to never touch paper and always have it on me. So every surgical textbook, every book I bought for the last, I don't know, um, 15 years, uh, my library is completely in a Dropbox folder. Uh, whatever online storage you use, uh, I know those that infrastructure can cost some money, uh, but I would say that find a way to make your stuff as accessible as possible, whether you use $1 scan or, and it's the number $1 scan.com. If anybody listening wants to look at it. I was going to say, um, if they want to sponsor us. Yeah. you. Yeah. Maybe get in touch with them, Jessica. That's a good idea. <laughs> but my point is just some pathway for you to be able to access data now and in the future uh, whether it's with your library or something. It doesn't, I don't think it matters exactly what you do as long as you have a pattern, like Dr. Carlos said. I, I just to elaborate uh, there, I'm a little bit more old at school. So I used to have one of those pocketbooks for interns that has had everything in there, like how to put the orders, you know, so I don't forget. It was like a checklist of, of what you have to do. So 
that's also helpful when you when you begin it. You know, you, you start with that and just read it every day. Okay, well, I'm going to do this. Uh, I think these pocketbooks are also useful for common pathologies. You know, like when somebody's having like an MI or somebody's having respiratory distress, how to work them up, things like that. So that those are little tricks that you can have uh, in your pocket. And probably they're also in those books that you mentioned as well. Mm. Thanks for listening to the Absite Smackdown podcast. Visit us at AbsightSmackdown.com for more great Absite facts. I'm just trying to figure out what you guys did back in the day, Dr. K, before you had notes in your phone. Because I know everything goes in notes in my phone. And Dr. Colton said he's the same way. He has so many notes in his note app on his phone. So trying to imagine before all of this, how you guys did it, like when you're in residencies. You know, I think it it just goes to show um, a lot of the primacy on teaching before for the cognitive stuff, not the technical stuff, was doing it a lot, making it habit, which was important. Uh, And so that you knew when things didn't fit the pattern, um, et cetera. I think now the pace of things has increased and data availability is a little better. I think it lets us shift more toward decision making and some of the advanced decision tools that you kind of don't get to typically until you're an attending. And I think the reason why we have to do that, my two cents, is that uh, volume, doing all the cases that you used to be able to do and teaching by volume is a lot more challenging now. That method is, is tougher in part because of the 80 hours restrictions. So I think a better primacy on ways to make decisions, how we do it, why Dr. Carlos thinks the way he does about one thing versus another we kind of can get to that more because we have access to the data underlying that a lot better. So it kind of lets us shift to where we need to go, I think, uh, which is train people to the level of decision-making that Dr. Carlos has so that they can make tough decisions when, you know, some bleeding trauma patients in front of them, critically ill patients in the ICU, there's a lot of diagnostic uncertainty and you have to make a challenging call. That's tough to train into people. Critical thinking, that's something you can't really get from a book. Actually, there was a book that you recommended when we did our top five books. Um, One was about critical thinking and surgery. Uh, Yeah, Dr. Carlos and I have talked about this one before. I think it's uh, more for oral boards. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a McIntyre, clinical decision-making and surgery. There's a lot of similar ones that have uh, like flow diagrams for different complaints. I found that useful to give people kind of an idea for different things, they may not see all the time, thyroid, parathyroid, um, how we get to different places and decision-making. Um, that's one I think is really useful for oral boards. Uh, I think that's the one you're talking about. Yeah. Well, Dr. Carlos, I know that you're going to be seeing all the new faces this month. Hopefully you can find one to have on the show for us so we can talk to them and get their experience and see see how they're doing. I know all of the residents that we have that are on your team, they always have really good things to say about you and what a good mentor you are and has helped them become mentors. I know Dr. Colton, he talks about that a lot. And so it's kind of exciting just to see how this passes down the line and that to think that one of these people coming in this year will eventually be sitting in one of your seats. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. Well, well, Jessica, as we wrap up, if you don't mind, I did want to take a second because I know Dr. Carlos is uh, often uh, very humble and understated, uh, but I don't, I want to be 
uh, less understated on his behalf. Um, I wanted to share that uh, among the many things like contributing to the textbook for, with you guys and some of the upcoming books, uh, Dr. Carlos also uh, runs a, a Southwest Texas uh, trauma symposium along with his colleagues there. And I just want to give him the opportunity while we have time here, you know, because he's dedicated to teaching and, and allowing um, all the staff around him to learn and improve. So I just wanted to see Carlos, I know it put you on the spot. We didn't talk about it, but do you mind talking a little bit about the upcoming symposium and uh, where the listeners and everybody can hear more about it, where they can go for it? Yeah, definitely. Thank you, David. Uh, yeah, it's an exciting project. We started a couple of years ago. This is our second time doing it. And it's a whole day uh, talking about trauma. And we have uh, speakers from all over the U.S. Uh, they have great lectures. We're going to talk about rural trauma. We're going to talk about resuscitation. Uh, we're also going to talk about how uh, 3D printing can help us make some decisions as well. And uh, we're going to... It's going to be an exciting day. We have free courses as well, the ATLS, uh, PHDLS for paramedics, or TNCC for nurses. Uh, and of course, D-Day of the symposium, it's going to be eight hours of CME for those that are interested. It's, it's geared towards paramedics, toward nurses, toward physicians, not only trauma surgeons, but also emergency medicine physicians as well. Uh, so we're very excited about it. It's going to be on August 12th. Uh, here in McAllen uh, at the uh, Convention Center uh, Hotel, and uh, we're very excited about it. And Carlos, just for the listeners out there, where can they go for more information about it if they want to attend or see some of the stuff posted online after? Where can they go to get more info? So we'll, uh, we have our own webpage. It's uh, it's South Texas Health System uh, Trauma Department. Uh, We're going to have the link uh, Jessica allows me to put it here on the on the video, and you're gonna click in there, and then you're gonna have all the information, including the speakers, uh, including uh, the agenda, and uh, the Eventbrite as well. Great. All righty. Of course, we'll do that. So, all right. Well, I guess anything Thanks. else before we wrap up, y'all? No. All right. Well, I'm excited. We're gonna have your trauma conference in. August. And then of course, the following month, we'll have our very first time of the year, our Absite Smackdown conference for everybody. So good things coming up and thanks for being with us. And as always, hashtag Absite Smackdown. Get more Absite content in your daily routine. Visit us on Instagram at daily.absite.fact, on Facebook at Absite Smackdown, or LinkedIn at Absite Smackdown. And you can catch the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or any place you listen to your favorites. Don't forget our YouTube channel, Absite Smackdown.